0: Now, over the really since the uh, beginning of January, we've been looking at Proverbs and how Proverbs can offer us just that practical life to make our lives work better if we'll take the discipline to apply it. So, I've been challenging you to read Proverbs, to write some down, to put them up. You know, and another part of reading Proverbs was it wasn't just hey, sit down and read the whole book. It was really just to read little bits at a time because we got to take it in. We need to digest it. We need to look over it. It can't be something that we just read and then go, ah, I finished. I'm done. I read Proverbs. It's really not how it works. Proverbs is one of those books that has so much great information for us. We need to just kind of slowly take it in so that we can absorb it and then we have to say, and we need to use it to help us as we live our lives. Now, that's not to say that as we live into po- Proverbs that everything in our life is going to be great, right? That everything's going to work out. No, these are general kinds of understandings that our life can work better if we follow along. So today we're looking at anger and managing anger. Because you know what, my friends? We all have to find ways to manage and control our anger. If you never get angry, we need to talk, because you got a deeper issue, okay? There was a woman who came running to the doctor and screaming in pain, and she says, Please, doctor, you've got to help me. I have been stung by a bee." The doctor responds very calmly. Well, don't worry. I'll put some cream on it. And the woman replied, Well, doctor, you're never going to find that bee now. It's miles away. And the doctor, a little bit frustrated, said, No, no, you don't understand. I'll put the cream on the area you were stung. And the woman says, Oh, well, that happened in the garden, and I was sitting under a tree. The doctor, growing even more angry, said, No, no, I mean, which part of your body did the bee sting? And the woman said, Oh, my finger, and it really hurts. And the doctor said loudly, Which one? And the woman very innocently responded, Doctor, how am I supposed to know all those bees look alike to me? I'm here to tell you, if it weren't for other people, I don't think I'd ever get angry. And maybe you feel the same way, right? But we always have to deal with the frustration and the difficulties that come when we communicate and work with each other. And there's always going to be a miscommunication. And there's also going to be intentionality to even hurt other people. Because that's our nature as well. And so we are always going to have to manage anger. Because there's always something or someone to get angry at you know we have to remember that even jesus got angry you remember that story about jesus in the temple courtyard there with the money changers i mean this made jesus so angry what did he do he tipped over their tables he turned them over And he very loudly declared, My father's house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now, you do realize the whole story and all that's going on there. Because in Jerusalem, they were occupied by Rome. And if you wanted to buy anything, you had to have Roman coins. But if you had Roman coins and you were on a holy pilgrimage and you went to the temple, and when you were at the temple, you thought, hey, I'm here at this beautiful temple and I'm going to take part in the cleansing ritual and forgiveness that comes with an animal sacrifice, I'll buy an animal to then take to the priest to have sacrifice. I'm only going to make this trip maybe once or twice in my entire life. So. Let's do it right when I come. But here's the thing. You couldn't use Roman money to buy sacrificial animals out in the marketplace. And so you had to trade it in. You had to get temple money, which was only good in the temple. And they were taking advantage on the exchange. So these People looking to have an encounter with God. These people who with good hearts and loving intentions who wanted to grow in their relationship with God came to the temple and they put down their hard-earned money and they got taken advantage of. Jesus saw it and got angry. Now, this is called righteousness. Indignation, right? There was a righteous reason for Jesus' anger. And you know what, my friends? Anger can actually be a gift from God, a gift that then gives us the impetus and fuels us with a passion and a fire to correct a social injustice. And let's be honest, as a church, there are things that we should have righteous indignation about. There are things that we ought to get angry about when we look around in our society, in our world. There are things that we ought to be doing things about, for sure. And yet we so many times waste our emotional momentum by just fighting and bickering with one another. Let's come to an understanding here. Anger is not a bad emotion. Now what we do with our anger can be bad. And that's where Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25 through 27 says it very clearly. Be angry, but do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. I mean, those words are pretty powerful by the Apostle Paul. Do not sin. You are called to stay in control. And that's an interesting point. Just because you're angry doesn't give you an excuse To treat others poorly. To abuse others with your anger. You have to control yourself. And I want you to remember this. You are not an amoeba. What's an amoeba? Well, it's a single cell organism. And it has no brain. It doesn't think. It only reacts to stimulus. You shine a bright light on an amoeba, and 10 times out of 10, it's going to shrink away. 10 times out of 10, it's going to act the exact same way. We, on the other hand, have the ability to think and to reason. And whether you know this or not, you choose your response. Have you ever said these words, you make me so mad? Well, that's your amoeba self-talking, okay? Now, the truth is, you might have very good reason to be angry, but you need to own that you're angry. You need to own the fact that you chose to respond in anger. Again, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians tells us, Don't let the sun go down on your anger. In other words, don't carry your anger with you. Unresolved anger will do nothing more than just eat you from the inside out. Your anger will consume you. And it will manifest itself in your body our physical, emotional, and spiritual health will suffer because we carry anger in us. You know, many psychologists consider anger one of our most baffling emotions. Emotions like happiness and sadness and fear, they're fairly easy to understand. But anger is really different. I mean, just think about it, all right? What determines the length of our anger? Some people get angry over the slightest irritation. Why? What determines our means of expressing anger? Why do some turn anger inwards and others hurl anger towards other people? Is there something about anger that's in our genetics? Is it learned behavior? Is it from an early childhood experience? Or maybe just the luck of the draw. Or maybe it's a combination of everything I've said. Now, we're really not here to explore the psychological reasons for this. But I I bring it up just to say it's so complex. And really, we're here to talk about the theological reality of it and how we need to deal with it because all of us have it. And so we have it, what do we do with it? How do we use it in such a way that we can further the kingdom of God? And of course we've already talked about one, which is using that righteous indignation to be a catalyst for change and for growth. Maybe it's personal change and growth within us, but there always can be a kind of a corporate Understanding of that righteous indignation that moves us to help those who are in need, to offer love towards others, a passion that we can have. Now, there are really kind of two ways that we deal with our feelings of anger. And maybe you do both. Or maybe you find yourself in primarily one camp or the other. But here, here are the two. You're either a bottler or you're a spewer. What do you do? Now, bottlers tend to ignore hurts and disappointments and frustrations. They minimalize those feelings. And uh, they'll also kind of take it in and just push it down. They'll figure ways to ignore it and not deal with it. Bottlers actually operate from a distorted belief that feelings of anger are bad. My friends, I want you to hear this clearly. Bottled up anger always leaks. And when it does leak, it will poison you. Your body, your mind, your relationships. Now, some people can take bottling to a different level, and we call those powders. Have you ever pouted? Because if you're a powder, you're bottling it up. And you know what it's like to work with a powder, right? You ask them what's wrong. You know, what do they say? Nothing. Right? Nothing. I'm fine. Don't worry about me. I'm not mad. Well, yeah, you are. And now you're being passive-aggressive. I don't know if it's better to be aggressive-aggressive or not. But, again, it's still unresolved anger. And what we do with those when we either find ourselves being the powder... Well, we got to think about it. we got to figure it out. What's going on? Because nobody likes the powder. And then if we come across the powder, well, when you ask, say, hey, I'm here to talk, and they say, I'm fine, don't bug them. If you want to talk, I'm here. It's up to you. Now, the opposite of a bottler is a spewer. Now spewers have no problem letting their anger just fly. Proverbs is well aware of the damage that spewers can do. Matter of fact, Proverbs twenty nine eleven says clearly only a fool gives full vent to their anger. You know it's interesting. Because bottlers and spewers really do have something in common. And what they have in common is they don't deal with the real issue, they don't deal with their anger. We need to find ways to deal with our anger. A husband was talking to his wife one time, and he said, You know, honey, you really are amazing. When I get mad at you, you never fight back. How is it that you control your anger so well and so completely? And his wife responded, well, I clean the toilet. The husband was really surprised and said, really? How in the world does that help? The wife smiled and then said, well, I use your toothbrush. (laughs) I'm debating whether or not I should tell that joke at 11 o'clock when my wife's here because I don't want to give her any ideas. But I will say, we need to find healthy ways to deal with our anger. We need wisdom. We need God's wisdom and help. The only way that we can really put anger behind us is to learn from our anger. You know, anger really is kind of a red flag that tells us that something's wrong. Another way to, to say about it is, you know, it's, it's like when you're driving your car. I think they call it the idiot light, when that red light comes on to tell you something's not working well. Well, that's what anger is. It doesn't tell us exactly. I mean, like when my red light comes on, it doesn't exactly tell me what's wrong in the engine, but I have a general idea of where it is. And so if I don't do anything about it, what's going to happen? Oh, at some point, my car's going to stop working. But if I take it seriously and I go, okay, looks like i got to go to somebody who knows more than I do. I need some help. We can fix the problem before the problem gets worse. That is what we need to do with our anger. Understand it for what it is. It's a warning sign. There's something not right. And then how do I fix it? When we think about how we fix it, it could be things like just prayer. so many times in my own prayer life, I'm struck by just the time of being quiet and being before God and calming and centering and listening to God that I can kind of figure out what's going on inside me so I can deal with the anger in a healthy way. Sometimes we need things like wise counsel. We need people and friends in our life that we can go to and say, hey, I've been thinking and praying about this, and I really can't figure it out. Can I... Share this with you. Help me unpack this. It could be something that we need to really unpack, and it could be things that we've been dealing with for a very long time, and we might need counseling. And that's a blessed thing as well. It's an opportunity to truly get healthy and take our own spiritual, emotional, and physical health seriously. So I would strongly encourage it. But what what if we're angry at God? Because that happens too. What do we do with that kind of deep-seated anger? And the answer is, take it to God. Continue to talk about it. And another part of this, and and I hope you feel free to do this, you really can rail at God. You can shake your fist. You can say anything you want. Whatever's there, say it to the Lord. I want to tell you something. I've done this many times in my own life for a lot of disappointments and heartbreaks and difficulties and people dying that I didn't think should die. And you know what's happened to me every time I've done that? Number one, God lets me go. Kind of get it all out. And God says things to me like, all right, Jason, are you done? Because if you are, I want to show you where I've been in your life. I want to show you where my love and my grace are making a difference. It's okay to get angry at God. God understands it. And God still loves us." But also notice that even when you get angry at God, you're never denying God. You're never turning your back completely on God. And that's an important distinction as well. You know, I've had to battle within myself with anger. One of the things I came to understand was I became angry when I felt out of control, and when I felt disrespected. Those were kind of two key triggers for me. It was something that I learned early on in some therapy. And, uh, you know, it was interesting because when I did blow up, I blew up around the people who were closest to me, the people that I loved very dearly. Those were the ones that I ended up hurting the most. And I came to find out that my anger also was connected to fear. Fear. You know, it's interesting to think that the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. And many times fear comes out as anger. I had to learn this, I had to internalize this. Now, I'm here to tell you I'm not cured, okay? But I can say, I have made great strides, and I'm getting better. My anger doesn't get the best of me like it used to. But it also comes with some intentionality and my own understanding of my own sinfulness and my need for God's love and grace. It was very important Bible verse for me to learn was Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry. And worry can also be translated: "Be fearful or anxious. Do not worry. be fearful or anxious about anything, but in everything, take your fears to God in prayer, and God will give you true peace. And then there was another one that I was reminded of. that's first John 4:18. And it says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. You know, my friends, I really do think that the answer to our anger, to understand that it's part of who we are, it's part of our nature, we don't deny it. When there's opportunity, we take it and we use it for good. But we also don't allow our anger to move us to sin and let the sun go down on our anger. It's a red light. It tells us something's wrong. We take it to God. And as we confront ourselves, we receive God's grace, we also receive that love. A love that is stronger than our anger. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.